Yes, sir. It's just your boy today. Just me today, one half of the man-to-man part. My man, uh, Antoine Bethea, he's on vacay. Probably somewhere sipping mojitos right now. Knowing him babysitting a blue moon or something. Let me see, do I want this mic in the shot or not? There we go. Hey, man, so I kind of gave y'all the rundown on some things I'll be hitting on today. First and foremost, <clears throat> so I was actually going to shoot this. Um, let me turn these comments on. Make sure the comments are on. Let me get in here. I was going to uh, record this. Well, actually, we weren't going to shoot. And then um, when I said I'm going to record it, then with some of the things going on today, I wanted some live feedback. So I said, you know what? We're going to go live with it. So uh, here we are. And this is going to be, you know, as always, if you listen to the pod, uncut, unfiltered, real, raw, however you want to cut it, you know. Playing the game so long, you got to answer questions, you know. Try to play certain shit close to the vest. I don't want to, you know, whatever, whatever. But on this other side, on this media side, talking to this mic, a lot different, man. What's happening? Let a few more people jump in here. Maybe I can throw some questions in the chat. You know, I'll touch on them throughout. But um, I really catch them most at the end. But uh, even throughout, I kind of jump in, especially if it's relevant to the relevant to the topics topics we hitting on today player accountability need to be coaches taking accountability as well um oh that's a good question before i even jump into it victoria house what is my favorite book behind me let me look in the camera and try to gotta be one i read all the way through um Force of Habit, really good one. Right, sorry, camera messed me up. Force of Habit, really good one. Ah, oh, it's another one I'm reading right now. Ah, oh, here it go, right here. Actually, you know what? Let me give you this one. This one right here, I'm not done with it yet, but uh, The Way of the Superior Man, dope book, especially young men out there, the young ladies out there, maybe looking for a partner, you know, get you right in all levels, but. I feel like I got that question a couple of times from you, Van. Uh, me and Marla Mack, cool. Former teammates, South Florida cat. Uh, we tap in here and there. Um, but yeah, so back to it. So players taking accountability or not taking accountability. So you had, um, well, that's the first thing we're going to hit on. Then we're going to hit on, I got a great question on the PFF uh, podcast I did earlier this week. Um he asked me, you know, what, what, in my opinion, what makes a good D coordinator? What makes a good DC, OC, et cetera? And it kind of goes, and I just, I'm just going to branch the question out a little more. What makes, in my opinion, a good coordinator, a good position coach, a good GM, a good owner, et cetera? Because a lot of those things kind of transferable skills. But uh, I'm going to go into that and then uh, going to jump into some of my 
you know, favorite weekend matchups that I'm looking forward to this week. Uh, not only team matchups, but uh, player, you know, cornerback, wide receiver matchups. Been getting a lot of guys following some top tier wide receivers, some good matchups. I'm looking forward to this week. But first things first, players taking accountability. Very, very important topic. Um, not only in the media, honestly, it doesn't matter as much, um, but within that locker room, um, in that locker room, like how you carry yourself, what you own up to, that's very, very important. And obviously with all of us having a voice, having a platform, doing podcasts, posting, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you hear our voice outside of, um, you know, these those respective locker rooms. So um, two people popped up to mind. Uh, this week, for obvious reasons, Paul George, he had an interview with uh, on all the smoke and kind of went into some of the things that did and didn't happen um, with the Clippers. You know, in my opinion, it was a lot of, um, you know, passing the buck, not taking enough ownership. I mean, he didn't play up the par. And I, I was high on the Clippers. If any of y'all remember me going into the playoffs, I was high on Kawhi being the best player in the league. I was high on, you know, PG being a great number two, both, you know, on both ends of the court, both of those cats being, hey, man, these are the, hey, these are the best two-way players, you know, on the same team, woo 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 PG let me down. You know, I, I was looking for playoff P. We got pandemic P or whatever they called him, and then for him to come out after the fact and say, oh, you know, Doc didn't do this, or this didn't happen, or that didn't happen. I, that's weak to me, you know, take ownership. It is what it is. And if that is the case, if you want to point out that, oh, I was running off pin downs, I wasn't getting pick and rolls or isos or et cetera, et cetera. Bring that shit up during the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like you just, I mean, you, 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 the top, you one of the top dogs on the team. You know what I mean? Y'all chasing the championship. Like use your voice at that point. Y'all up three, one. Y'all want to change, okay, three, two, three, okay, like voice your opinion then. Don't wait till months later, hop on a podcast and say, hey, this, that, and the third, this is how I went down. I got a major, uh, you know, major issue with that. Not that I uh, hold any weight in the organization or anything like that, but if I'm a teammate, if I'm a potential free agent, if I'm a, well, it's like, come on, bro. Like, come on, man. We, we, we not trying to hear that shit. Um, and I know some, you know, some mutual people with Paul and I think he's a solid dude. Um, but that, that you, that's the wrong way to go about it, man. <laughs> like take ownership, bro. Take ownership first and foremost, and then talk about, Hey, this is what we could have did better as a team. But that all that, like, nah, I mean, we, we not trying to hear that. And then on the flip side of it, you got Carson Wentz who reportedly, you know, took uh, accountability in front of his team today. Volume low. Appreciate it. Who was that? Gold miner James. All right, let me see. Let me see if I can pick up this volume. Should be fine though. Audio bum. 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 Oh, oh. Better? Let me know if it's better. Let me get some feedback. Paul George overrated. Just being not good. Okay, we good. Shy, I said we good. Let me get one more person to say I'm good. We good. We rocking. All right, we good. Bet. <laughs> All right, bet, bet, bet. So back to what I was saying. So the flip side, you got Carson Wentz, right? So Carson Wentz um, reportedly stood in front of his team and took accountability, took ownership for, you know, the bad play or, you know, whatever, whatever. I respect that as a player. 
Um, and it really only matters when you're a player as, as a professional athlete. It really, honestly, it only matters, number one, how you feel and how you think of yourself, first and foremost. Confidence is the number one thing um, when you're a, an athlete, period, but especially a professional athlete. You're out there with the best of the best every week, every down, whether it's practice, games, every, every, every day. And then you're getting evaluated harshly critically every day so whatever job you work um just imagine that like not only is somebody you know watching you know how productive you are at work how many assignments you get done or don't get done or et cetera et cetera but every day we go sit in the meetings we get walked through we get hard coaching you know we we get you know coached up from each other you know if you're a good team you got that type of relationship with your um with your teammates so um that that's Number one, having that confidence in yourself, number one. And then having the confidence in each other and having that accountability towards each other in that building. Outside of the building, who cares? Who cares what people say? Who cares what people think? And today's day with social media and, you know, everything being a, a, a you know clickbait or highlight or this or that, like it can definitely get to your head and get in the building. When you saw the stuff with the Cowboys earlier, all oh, the coaches not making adjustments and we're not doing this. Bullshit, dog. <laughs> you're a player. Y'all got to figure it out. You're a professional player. You are working with a professional coach. Y'all are both professional. It needs to be a dialogue. It shouldn't be a coach coming in there just telling play pro professional players getting paid more than a coach just what to do. Like, this is my, this is what I do. This is my livelihood. This is how I feed my kids and how I perform affects how that coach feeds his kids and vice versa. So we grown ass men. It's not college. It's not high school. We're getting paid big boy dollars to do you know big boy jobs so having that um that confidence and that trust in each other is major and then um so for him to stand up and take that accountability that's cool but as a player as a teammate just do what you gotta do to play better period and the coaches out do what you gotta do to coach better i see doug peterson saying that the play calling roles are being that role is being shared now i mean somebody just needed to like Peterson, you're an offensive guy. Like, this this should be right up your alley. So him not playing well, obviously the old line's banged up, weapons are banged up. But, you know, if you watch football, if you know football, you can also see that Carson Wentz isn't playing well. So as a quarterback, you get you probably get more praise than you should at times when things are going good, and you're going to get more blame um, at times when things are, going, things are going bad. That's just that's just part of it. You know what I mean? That's why y'all get paid the big, 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 big boy bucks. You know what I mean? So nobody gonna feel sorry for you. And Carson is really in a position that, uh, shit, we all want to be in. Honestly, I know I I would want to be in this position. Imagine being in a position where you're making so much money that they can't fire you. Like I show up to my job and no matter how good or bad I play, I know I make too much money, like for y'all to fire me. If I if y'all cut me or whatever, like I'm 59 against the cap. Like just imagine that. So I could give a damn what the if I'm Carson, I give a damn what the coach is saying, what not not what the coach is saying, what the fans are saying, what the talking heads are saying. Y'all can have that. I know I'm good. I just gotta focus on this football and get better and get the trust of my teammates. We gotta figure this shit out, point blank, period. Because as bad as Carson's playing, as bad as the Eagles have been playing, um, on offense, because I, I watching them against the Seahawks, especially like the defense, defense looks solid. I mean, they're not a, a not a championship defense, but I mean, 
decent defense, good players, you know, get after it. So as an offense, you got to pick your shit up, point blank, period. You know what I mean? So you getting paid that much money, you just got to figure it out. If I would, that was me, I'd be coming to, hey, I just got to play better, man. I got to play better. And you just figure it out. So that's part of it. And I had a take or whatever the last podcast we had with AB. I said, okay, if he doesn't end up in Philly, is is Indy a good spot for him? Because of Frank Wright relationship with him, obviously you got a better O-line in Indy. Um, you know, when the guys are healthy, uh, you know, next year. Um, you come here real quick, baby. Um Next year, uh, if you if you find a way to keep Matt, you know, you have Mac Taylor back there, obviously Hines, you know, you got weapons. You got a lot of weapons on that offensive side. And then you got a great defense. I think the Colts have a championship-level defense. So that was just something I was throwing out there. Obviously, you get them in Indy, it'll be almost like a one-year damn near franchise uh, deal with, with uh, Carson, if you can figure it out. Because I think he's talented. He's still talented as hell. Um, still one of the most talented quarterbacks that I've, I, I, the more talented quarter, I won't say most, one of the more talented quarterbacks that I've seen, but he just hasn't been playing well. So, um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that, that, that's that on that. That's my feelings on that, man. Just, just at the end of the day, we all got a job to get done. Just get it done, bro. Nobody want to hear excuses. Uh, my co-host Antoine, but they said all the time, no excuses, no explanations. Um, no excuse for the fans, the coaches, and your teammates. Just get that shit done, man. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Y'all throw some of these questions in here, too. Come in. Uh, moving on. Yeah, thank you. So we had the question. I got the question on the other day on uh, look at my baby. My daughter just brought me some tea. Gotta show y'all my coffee mug. Bum. Just brought me some tea. You know what I'm saying? Throw it bother me a little bit. But all right. So hold on. Let me see. Let me see. Let me answer this question real quick. Okay, hold on. All right, Spud the Fud. Hell no. I'd rather get Stafford for the Colts. Oh, if I had to choose between Stafford and Wentz, I'll be with you. I would be with you, especially if I plan on, on, on keeping T.Y. I plan on re-signing T.Y. or keeping T.Y. in the building. Um, with with the arm that Stafford has, that's how you get the best out of T.Y. Hilton. That's where you get the ghost. You got a guy, a quarterback that can stretch the field and really throw that ball, you know, 60 yards down the field. That's when you put the fear of God in defenses when you're facing 13. You got a quarterback that can't do that. It's a lot easier to game plan uh, for him. But uh, so I, 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 I can't go against you with that. Spud the foot, I go with Stafford over Wentz as well. But if I wasn't, it's definitely conversation. It got to be conversations going on in that Colts. The like it got to be either now or in the offseason. Like, hey, what do y'all think about this? Because you don't have a long term answer at quarterback right now, right? You got you got Philip on the on the one year deal for twenty five. Pay uh, Jacoby got him. You obviously don't trust in him and believe in him to be the long term answer. You drafted Eason. I don't think he's a, a starter in this league. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you, it's a conversation. I, I would take Stafford over Winston. I respect that. Um, what about a coaching change in Philly? Orlowski needs a shot. I mean, as much as Orlowski, uh, uh, and that's my guy, me and, me and Dan, we, you know, we'll throw some jabs back and forth here and there on, um, you know, on Twitter or whatnot, but. Dan, Dan O is my guy from, you know, we go all the way back to 2004 when I was a freshman 
on uh on his scout team who uh Alan Randall made this comment by the way. I was a freshman on uh on, on uh you know scout team at UConn red shirting. That's how far me and Dan O go back when he was you know the talk of the town at UConn. Um and I and he's doing great in media, great on TV. He breaks down the, the game um uh, you know great into in a form that fans the average fan can understand it. Um great football my obviously spent you know 12 13 years in the league so he knows what the hell he's talking about regardless and and this one thing regardless of you know how much a guy played or how many touchdowns he threw or how much whatever like it's certain guys who you know okay this guy could be a coach this guy could be a front office guy regardless of how he performed on the field as a player um and dan is definitely one of those guys who can be a great coach i believe and if that's something that he wants to do if that opportunity presents itself i'm um you know, I'm sure he'll he'll handle that accordingly. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know if the coaching change is gonna happen in Philly this year. So, you know, I don't think Doug gets fired this year, but um, we'll see. But anyway, all right, let me move on. I'm gonna definitely get to these questions, but keep throwing them in. I'm gonna get to as much as these as much of these questions as possible. All right, next question. This from the PFF interview. What now they asked me what did it take to be a good D coordinator? I definitely get into that. But what does it take to be a good D coordinator, a coach, GM, even an owner? Owner. Take a little sip of Yeah. All right. So to be a good coach, right? So people think, and I got the question asked me. Let me um just All right, so people think a lot of people think um a lot of people think being a good coach, being a good coordinator, etc., is all about the X's and O's, right? Everybody, excuse me. Everybody in the NFL has X and O. Everybody at high level division one has good X and O's. Anybody can go and draw some shit up. Um, I can go to my, you know, little brother and you watch enough football, you do, you play enough mad, you can draw some shit up. That's, that's easy. Any, anybody on the NFL level can and has done that for a long time. That's, I won't say relevant, but that's not in the top three. I would say what takes a good, especially a good play caller. What makes a good, I'll start with a coordinator. Now, let me start with a good position coach. So what takes with a good position to be a good position coach you have to take what your coordinator, all right, this is the game plan. This is why we, this is not even the game plan. This is what we do as a defense. This is who we are, right? Understanding how the team is built, what your strengths and weaknesses are personnel-wise, you know, what you can and can't do. You know, some teams just have limitations because of your personnel, right? So understanding that as a position coach, like, okay, what, let me be on the same page as the D coordinator with those things. Okay. Now I have my players. I have my cornerbacks. I have my safeties. I have my nickels, whatever, like my dimes. Okay. Now, how can I, how can I, you know, make whatever calls I get work the best? How can I coach these guys up within their techniques in the defense? So position coach, that's your job. Okay. Whatever defense, whatever the game plan is, how you guys are running, it's your job to like, Take that info straight from the coordinator, straight to your room, your position room. And for the people that don't know, you have team meetings, and that's the entire team. They meet as a group. 
And then you have unit meetings where it's a defensive unit. It's only the defense in there. And then you have position group meetings, right? So we spend, I would say, probably the most time in position group meetings, right? You come in in the morning, Wednesday morning, you have a team meeting, then you break up into unit, unit meetings, offense, defense, special teams have their meetings as well. And then you break up, you know, and you have your unit meetings. And then after practices, you go and pretty much it's just, you probably have a quick unit where it's the whole defense and then you break up into your position groups, right? So as a position coach, that's your job, you know, working the different techniques day-to-day -day in the defense, right? The intricacies, the fundamentals, et cetera, et cetera. As a coordinator, you got to be tapped in with every position group coach, right? With every position coach, my DB coach, and maybe some DB groups may have a, a safeties coach and a corners coach. Um, and I was talking with Gerard Powers um, in the slot defender series, and he said uh, in Chicago years ago, they had a nickelback coach. Nickelbacks, when I was playing, were barely really coached as nickelbacks, right? So anyway, you got you got that group, then you got your linebackers. And then some teams, your 3-4 team, you got your outside linebackers coach. And then you got your D-line coach, right? So you got all those coaches. So as a coordinator, you got to make sure – you're delivering the same clear, concise message to all of those position coaches. And all of y'all are on the same page, teaching the same things, the same techniques, the same fundamentals. Because as you know, coaches move around from team to team. Things change. So you got to make sure, hey, this is the way that we do it here in Indianapolis, Miami, Seattle, wherever. This is the way we do it here. Make sure everybody's on the same page. And then as a coordinator, you also have to know when to i guess when to kind of adjust right because coordinators they have their wills and their ways and coaches are very you know they got an ego it's a lot of type a personalities in locker rooms right so you have to be you have to drop your ego enough to say okay i know what i do i know what i've always done i know what i'm good at i know why i got this job but these are the quote unquote groceries I have. Right. So I got to make this meal. These are the players that I have. So, yeah, I've always done things a certain way. But Andy Reid, for instance, OK, I had Donovan McNabb. Now I got Michael Vick. So some of some of my things have to change. Uh, let me. Uh, yeah. Stick with Andy Reid. So now I'm going from Donovan McNabb to um, uh, damn, who's Kevin Cobb to Michael Vick. And now I got Patrick Mahomes and I got Tyree Hill, and I got like all okay. Now it's some you're gonna see some shit I've never done before because I got different groceries now. So D coordinates the same thing on defense. So knowing how to work with your personnel to fit your scheme, right? Not trying to force a square peg into a circle. Like, kind of like I wouldn't say that's what Mike Nolan is doing, but you could just tell the, the communication from the top to the bottom was a streamlined, okay? So as a coordinator. Knowing that, number one, okay, how am I going to make this scheme? How am I going to coach this scheme? And then now, obviously, you're play calling. Now, play calling is, is knowing the situation. Because as a D coordinator, the only information I have in the game before I make my play call is what's the field position, what's the down and distance, and what is the offensive personnel in the huddle, right? I don't have, I don't know the formation. What's the personnel in the huddle? Like who's in the game, the down and distance, the field position, you know, obviously the time is going, all that stuff. That's the only information, you know. So now you have to empower your players and your position coaches enough. Like you have to, okay. The information got to be so clear and concise that 
I can pass the same information, as much knowledge as I have. I can pass that to my position coaches and they can pass that down to their players, right? Because I told you all the information I have as a coordinator. So when I send that play call in and the, as a player, I'm on the field. Okay, now I got to take that play call and I got to say, okay, I know the play call, but now this is the formation that I have, right? This is the offensive formation in front of me. The D coordinator didn't know what the formation was going to be. The D coordinator didn't know uh, Chase Claypool is going to be lined up as, you know, the number three and the, the running back is going to be lined up as the number one wide receiver, like way out by the sideline across from the corner. And Claypool is going to be lined up at three as a linebacker against matched up against a linebacker. I'll go way back to that uh, Steelers-Eagles game with that last touchdown that won the game. That was a matchup. D coordinator didn't know that was going to happen. TJ Watt, when he was matched up on CD Lamb, he didn't know CD Lamb was going to be lined up at that position in a bunch. And TJ Watt's going to be in the scene flat and he's going to end up on him. You know what I mean? So you got to know, uh, as and you got to empower your players not only to know the plays, but know how to make adjustments within the plays. And then as a head coach, you got to be able to manage both coordinators and whichever ball, whichever side of the ball you. You know, if you're an offensive guy, if you're a defensive guy, obviously you're going to lean more that way and, and have more understanding and probably give more leeway to the offensive or defensive guys to do their thing. But you got to manage personalities. You got to manage, um, you know, your schedule, like the walkthroughs. OK, are we going to practice with pass on a day? Or this guy that's injured, are we going to put him on a on a practice schedule to maintain him so that he can last throughout the season. We're going to rest him on Wednesdays. We're going to do et cetera. That's the job as a head coach. And then obviously managing situations, knowing situations, time, when to go for two, when to challenge, build all these different things, right? And for giving your team as much information as possible to know, like good coaches, hey, these are the refs we got this week. This is what they do. They're in the middle of the pack when it comes to holding calls. They're, they lead the league when it comes to pass interference, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes down the line. So that's the stuff you're doing as a head coach. And then as a GM, your GM is the one guy that's in the building. He's he's the conduit between the front office people because that side of the building is a completely different ball game. Like a lot of those guys, honestly, don't even really know football. For real, for real. These are – business guys or the, the team owner or you know you may have you know analytics guys you may have you know whatever this department the gm he connects the front office to the locker room you know front office head coach locker room like the gm is right in between all that kind of maneuvering all that and the thing the things that i've noticed and being around different gms the gms that have an understanding of the locker room like been a player been a coach you know, not only are they very are they successful, but they just manage teams better. Like you, the Ozzy Newsom's, um, obviously was a great player. See John Lynch doing some great things in, in San Fran. Uh, Chris Ballard, Chris Ballard, in Indy has been outstanding. He was a player. He was a coach um, on the college level before he ever got in the front office. So like those those help you tremendously when it comes to actually running the team because it's not just about numbers and X and O's and analytics and uh, rating or stats or this and that, even just wins losses. You got to understand what type of personalities can fit in this locker room. What type of, you know, like all type, what type of guys should I pay that to, that would boost the morale of a locker room? You know what I mean? Some guys that get like a Kenny Moore when he got paid in Indy, when he got paid early, that's going to boost the morale of a locker room because it's like, okay, y'all are going to uh, reward the guy that's been here and, you know, fought his way to the top and did it right. 
I see he got paid. So now I'm a guy in the same position. I'm going to work my ass off, bust my ass to do the same thing because I see that's what's taking place here. Now, if you want those GMs that come in and you just go paying top dollar for a bunch of guys that was just at your old team or at another, or he's a guy who, you know, got all the media hype and you just paying them because these GMs, these guys running these teams, they're not as, they don't know as much football as people think they do. They don't, they're not as informed as people think they are. I've heard people to literally tell me like gyms personnel guys coaches yeah i signed a guy i watched like legit two games of a guy and i signed him for three four years tens of millions of dollars yeah i know him but i like you got to really know how guys fit do your research on guys okay you know ask the right questions so um that gm is very very important as an owner um when you're in that position you just have to be able to um you got to be able to manage personalities as well. Cause like I said, it's a lot of type A personalities in the building. So we had a situation in Indy where you had Grixon and you had Chuck and uh, you know, those, they weren't on the same page and it wasn't a secret. You know what I mean? Like the players see it, the people that's working in the building see it. So as an owner, you got to be able to make those right calls maybe call hey, sit this person down have this conversation or make the give the empower this person this much to do that or this because every team run their situation a little different the gm may have a little more or less power here the head coach may have a little more or less power here um the gm or the coach like it, maybe you never see this guy in, in a locker room and you never see him you know here he never talks to players or he never does this and then the other guy he's always talking to players they have a different relationship it's just completely different so your team the team that you own is your i i believe at least is your job to make sure that those people that are calling the shots and those people that are running your team are on the same page first and foremost they're on the same page because you're like it's almost like siblings in a sense like in you know, some teams, the coach, I feel like maybe has more power than the, the GM and some teams is switched. So um, and then knowing when to allow a guy like a Bill Belichick to wear both hats. You know what I mean? Like Kraft, he didn't do he didn't like when I was in New England, it was kind of like if you saw Belichick and Kraft interact and like, you know, just blindly you just heard them interact or watched them interact, you wouldn't know uh, who was the, the quote unquote boss. You know what I mean? Because he Kraft empowered Belichick that he empowers him that much to, you know, have, to run his operation pretty much. So. um, So, yeah, that's 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 really that on that. Um, Definitely not going uh, Van. I see you talking about give us a good Pagano Grixon story. I won't give you a good story, but um, like I said, it's, it's just very important that those guys are on the same page and they don't have to love each other. But, you know, in, in locker rooms, locker rooms we don't we don't we don't like all of us don't like each other like 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 that you know what i mean it's it's a work um environment and obviously you have relationships um within the locker room within teams um that you build but every guy doesn't just love every other 50 whatever guy on the team but y'all there for a common goal and when you do have common suffering um you know there is just you and then when you're in that foxhole like you know i got your back you got my back you you could we could just be fighting i may not like this dude at all or like what he's standing for off the field but if we on that field and you go after him i gotta come after you that's just that it's like when you're in a bar fight with a teammate or something once that pops off like you in it y'all if you figure out the details later but um 
but yeah, it's 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 a work environment, but you gotta manage that environment, man. A lot of a lot of testosterone, a lot of egos, a lot of quote unquote alphas um in the same building every day. And um, you know, it's it's a tough job, but that's why you get paid the big bucks, right? <laughs> I know I'm retired, I still ain't I ain't built like that, cuz you know what I mean. Can't be telling the story. Um, I answered a couple of these questions. Yes, uh Damilton 1787. Egos come into play more than people. I don't I don't think that should surprise people though. You know, I mean, egos are everywhere, egos are in everybody's job, and everybody when somebody gets a title or position. Um, so you can just imagine on that level, um, you know, what the egos are, but let me answer a couple more of these questions. Bop, 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 bop. Best coach, Alan Randall, best coach I ever had in the NFL. I mean, I started off with Belichick. You know, it was hard to get better than that. Uh, in my opinion, he's the GOAT. Um, yeah, just his attention to detail. And like I said, he uh, – I'm sorry about that. Um, the the conversation I had earlier well, – not the conversation, me talking about it earlier, about how important it is for the GM and the head coach and the owner all to be on the same page. Belichick was – he wore both hats, GM and head coach. Sometimes she even the defensive coordinator. So, obviously, he's always going to be on the same page. So, it was always a very, very clear message from the top to the bottom and that's what really it comes down to um culture culture is really all about it's really driven by communication right that's where culture comes from culture is driven by communication and um really just i guess ownership you know what i mean ownership of just doing your job taking accountability like do your job that's always been a mantra. Do your job. You know, don't don't make excuses. Speak for yourself. Manage your expectations. Ignore the noise outside the building. Um, those were constant, clear messages from the top to the bottom. And knowing absolutely every detail about the game plan and what's going on in this game, what to anticipate from this game, knowing your opponent. And Belichick checked people like I didn't see on any other team. Like when you walked into that meeting room, you better be on point because you can't get called out. Hey, Darius, you know, we're playing, uh, you know, and, and in the NFL, we, we do numbers, right? So because every, every week we're playing different names of us, we'll say, all right, you got 13 this week. 13 is their slot defender. You know, what would you say? Like, is his strength? Is he quicker than fast? Is he faster than quick? Ah, uh, shit, coach. I think he's faster than quick. Uh, okay, that's it. Like, oh, that's that's weird. You know, he he ran a four six eight at the combine, but you know he does have great short area quickness. So obviously, you haven't been watching film. You know what I mean. So that next time you come in that meeting, yeah, it's gonna be on point. So um, Bill, Bill, hands down, uh, best coach uh, in the NFL that I've had. I would just say overall, um, honestly, would Steelers go undefeated? No, I do not believe they'll go undefeated. Um, eleven and zero right now though, great team. Um, but no, nah, I don't. I don't think they're going to feed it. I'm gonna take one more question before I move on. Boop 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 boop. boop. I'm not sure how. I saw somebody. Um, <laughs> they said chill with the cats. Um. Yeah, I saw one more question. What was a good question I had, man? And why y'all, hey, like, like the stream, do all that stuff. Y'all know I'm new to all this, 
all this stuff but like the stream like subscribe all that good shit um what is this why is the nfl so far behind the nba i see stories all the time about former players getting high um far behind the nba in what sense i mean i don't know if you mean i think the nba has stopped i mean nfl i don't think they said they'll be suspending anymore because of weed and um honestly i'm a i'm a proponent for for, for marijuana for cannabis weed whatever whatever you want to call it um you know I, I smoked the last few years of my career and um it helped me deal with pain it helped me sleep it helped me with my appetite i because i'm a guy that's during the season you know especially when i'm tired or overworked or whatever whatever like it's hard for me to build up appetite so it helped me with different things and i hate it taking pharmaceuticals i've I always have um and the thing about uh probably not just the nfl but you know other major sports league like just so and just america in general uh probably the world in general like just so we're just overly medicated overly with the big farm you go in there and say you got you know a headache or or this or that um you know you get back to your locker and you got you know a prescription for whatever you pretty much request so um I, I i never wanted to deal with that i had some people in my family um like i'm sure we all do have you know addictive personalities and stuff like that so i never wanted to get into it. now when i had surgeries and shit like that and i had to you know take some vicodin take some perks shake some whatever um you know i did what i had to do or going into a game sometime i had to get an injection or you know had to you know fresh out of surgery got to wrap up my hand and play with you know play with a cast on um you know with your you know your finger or your bone or whatever still shattered but being held together by some metal plates and screws but shit, i gotta get out there and play so do what you gotta do to get out there and play and that's just how we wire you only got 16 games in the nfl you're trying to be out there for all of them so um i feel like it should uh you know we should definitely be allowed cbd um should definitely be allowed um for sure for 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 i mean it's been proven and um that it works and the the by the side effects of the pharmaceuticals and all that shit, um, I was never a fan of. I always searched out natural remedies, and it wasn't all definitely not always weed. Or sometimes it, some things didn't have THC in it, but um, you know it helped relieve pain, it helped manage pain, it helped manage um, other things. You know, people some people deal with this anxiety and all type of shit, man. So uh, whatever works for you, um, I don't think it should be illegal. I definitely don't think you should be suspended for it but um you know it'll 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 definitely gradually change um i think we'll definitely get there sooner than later not only in the sports world but just in general um but yeah that's my take on that um if i was a, i get i get to the rest of them questions later all right weekend this week matter of fact let me give my power rankings too real quick one through five you i usually don't do power rankings right but pff on that on their interview once again they asked me and they kind of caught me off guard with it all right give me your power rankings so i'm gonna just throw them to you right now i want y'all to throw a couple in here too i want to see what y'all think but i'm gonna go with obviously number one kansas city chiefs defending super bowl champs gonna be tough to stop them on offense you know the defense like last year i think they'll pick it up towards the end going into the playoffs Andy Reid, once again, great play caller, great coordinator. Obviously, Eric being a great play caller. 
And um, great coach. I, had, I posted a tweet for a couple of weeks ago. I was like, man, if I'm a head coach, I'm doing two minute drill every day in my practice because I want to be I want my team to be prepared. I want my coaches and my play callers to be prepared for these situations. Because almost every good game in the NFL, a lot of you watch the NFL this Sunday, most games come down to a two minute stop or a two minute score. You know, two minute drive to score a touchdown, a two minute drive to stop and try to get off the field. So that's a very, very crucial part of the game. So I tweeted that and uh, Todd Matthew, Honey Badger hit me back like, hey, that's what we do over here with Big Red. And and watching them, you can, you can kind of see that when they get into a two minute drive on offense, like, it doesn't look like a panic. It looks real, like a very, very smooth operation. Like they've been there a thousand times. And obviously you got the talented players that they have, the talented play callers that they have. Um, so they're going to be tough to beat, tough to beat in close games. And that's what it comes down to. They were down 10 points in the second half in the Super Bowl, came back and won it. So um, Chiefs, number one, Steelers, obviously undefeated. I don't care about the strength of schedule, who they play, how close the games were. It's hard as hell to win week in and week out in the NFL. And the Steelers have done it every week. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of Mike T. Um, slept on coach, one of the best coaches of all time. 14 seasons, no losing seasons. Uh, Super Bowl champ uh, went eight. And I think this should be at the top of his bio. He went eight and eight last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph as his quarterback. So um, definitely rolling with the Steelers at two. Um, and if they get matched up in the AFC Championship, a lot of people just saying the Chiefs are just, you know, I, if they get matched up, I mean, I don't know who I'm going with in that game, but the Steelers definitely can beat the Chiefs, um, in my opinion. Number three, I like the Seahawks. I like the Seahawks. I like Russ a lot. I like those weapons that they have on offense, especially when the backs are healthy. And defense has been really, really bad this year, but they're getting better. You got Griffin back healthy out there at the corner position. Dunbar should be back. Um, you know, it's time for that playoff run. You got Carlos Dunlap. That trade has been uh, working wonders for him. I think 16 pressures already in four weeks. Um, it's already more than what he had in the sense before coming over. Um, I kind of called that one too, him going to the Seahawks and making a difference, getting a fresh start. Uh, I like him and Jamal Adams back healthy. And we saw the last game, even though it was against Philly, but you saw uh, Jamal playing. He was playing some good ball. He's doing what he does. And uh, you can always look at a guy and say what he can't do. But what Jamal Adams does is he changes the game. You put him around that line of scrimmage, he can blitz. Um, you know, he can d disrupt the hell out of a run game. Um, he's just a weapon. I wouldn't even call him a safety. He's just a defensive weapon. I like him. And I like the Seahawks. I like Russ. Um, you know, like him a lot. Uh, number four, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But because of Aaron Rodgers, the defense, um, you know, leaves you a lot to um, a lot to be desired. But I'm taking Aaron Rodgers right now in the rhythm that he's in. Going to be a tough team to beat. And then you got the Saints. I like the Saints um, on defense. Yes, uh, Chris R., you jumped in here and said some trash play calling in Seattle sometimes. I agree 1,000%. Still in the regular, regular season, though, I think they'll continue to get better. I like how Russ has been playing, how he's been handling things for uh, most of this year. Went through a little stretch. He was having turnovers and shit like that. But um, I think he's back on point. But uh, so we got right now we got one Chiefs, two Steelers, three Seahawks, four Packers. And then five, I got the Saints. And the only reason they're at five is obviously because of the quarterback situation. Um, I, I personally don't think Taysom Hill can 
you know, if, if Breeze, I expect Breeze to be black back come playoff time, but I think pretty soon defenses figure out the book on Taysom Hill and they'll be able to – you already saw it last week. He struggled more than, you know, the first week he got in there, he balled. You, as a defense, you don't really know what the guy can do. Are they going to be a bunch of wildcat? Are they going to do a bunch of short passes, screens? Or are they really going to try to run some real NFL offense, which they did That after that? I came on the pod and I said, hey, once defenders and defensive coaches get that book on Hill, it's going to get ugly. And he struggled a little bit more last week. The defense is playing well. They struggled and went kind of up and down earlier in the season. They continue to play well, which they should. They have the talent. They have the experience. So they can definitely be a lights out championship level defense. If they get good quarterback play. They can definitely uh, make a run for that Super Bowl. So I'm around them out at five right now. That's my top five. I'm definitely interested to see some of y'all's and what y'all think. Sip a sip, sip. So that's my um. Jake, who we got right here? Boom! I'm gonna throw a couple of y'all's up here real quick before I move on. We gonna we got about 15 more minutes. JK Chiefs one, Steelers two, Saints three, Seahawks four, Bills five. Okay, like that. Good with that. Phone is that. What's this phone? Um, that's a good list. That's a good list. Five can be Packers, Titans, Bills. Um. I ain't believing in the Titans. I ain't gonna lie to you. I am not a believer in the Titans right now. But um, yeah. Solid, solid, solid fives. All right, some good matchups. I'm looking forward to this week. One through four, solid though. I respect that. Damilton 1787. All right, some um some matchups I'm looking forward to this week. The Rams and Cardinals. Obviously, I think both be playoff teams. Um, it's going to be tough. They're, they're fighting for that division. Rams, Cardinals, um, Seahawks, obviously. I think Seahawks end up taking the division. But um, could very well have three teams in the playoffs from that division. I'm looking for, obviously, this game will be important when it comes to that. I'm taking the Rams in this one. And I think they're three-point. Is this? A, let me make sure this is the right game. Yeah, I think they're three-point favorite in this one, too. So, um. Definitely rolling with the Rams in this one. Let me make sure I'm on point. Yeah. Rolling with the Rams in this one. Love the defense. Love uh, what Bob Staley's been doing all year with the defense. Still, jury's still kind of out on golf, man. I really don't know who he is um, as a quarterback. As soon as I'm ready to write him off, he comes back and have a have a good game. Um, and, and I, I don't know, man. But I'm, I love, love, love their defense. I love their receivers with Cup and Woods. So, I mean, I'm taking them this week for sure over the Cardinals, but uh, definitely looking forward to that game, looking forward to that cornerback-receiver matchup with uh, D-Hop and Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey has been playing like um, like a $20 million a year cornerback, <laughs> and D-Hop has been playing like a $20 million a year receiver, uh, you know, this year. Uh, so I'm definitely looking forward to that matchup. Obviously, they're they're very, very familiar with each other. Played against each other a lot um, in previous years. They weren't. They came into the league in the same division, the AFC South, Jack, Jacksonville Jaguars, and um, you know the Texans. And now they're back in the same division with the Rams and the Cardinals. So I'm definitely looking forward to that matchup. Another matchup I'm looking forward to. We just talked about the Saints 
and the Falcons. Um, looking forward to that one. Falcons coming off a big win. I, I'm taking the Falcons in that game. I'm taking the Falcons to win that game. I think they're going to have much better quarterback play. Um, I like the Saints defense, but it, the, the, the Falcons, their record is terrible. And you are what your record is ultimately. Um, but I think they've been a much better team, um, you know, since uh, Morris took over, you know, since the fire under the GM and the head coach, Raheem Morris took over. And I think he should be a serious candidate to uh, fill that position permanently. Guys are playing better. Um, win or 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 wins, winning or losing, they, they've been in a lot of games. Raiders came in there. Who was a good team? A lot of people felt like that the Raiders were a very good team, had just took the Chiefs to the wire before they played the Falcons and the Falcons, the Falcons whooped their ass. So uh, you never know what you're going to get the Falcons, but I'm taking them this week. I know a lot of people on here probably are not. Hold on. Let's stop this camera real quick. Two seconds. A slight brief intermission. All right, there we go. We back, baby. We back, baby. Back. Sorry about that. <clears throat> But um, yeah, taking the Falcons, taking the Falcons over the Saints this week. Like I said, I know a lot of people not gonna be with me, understandably so. What's the spread on that game? Falcons, Saints, Falcons, Saints. New Orleans favored by two and a half points. Yeah, so Vegas ain't that confident either. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to Falcons, man. Rock with me. Next matchup, I'm looking forward to Philly and Green Bay. Uh, Philly and Green Bay, big spread there. I think eight and a half is a spread on that game. I honestly, bad as Philly looked last week against the Seahawks. I mean, what was it? They only lost by five and a half, or no, nah, they lost by six. I forgot about that. Woo, I forgot about that bad beat. Um, forgot about, I mean, lost, lost by six. So they're eight and a half point dogs this week against the Packers. I'm going back and forth on that. I think the Packers will win the game, but I'm not sure the Packers cover that spread. Um, it is at Lambeau, but um, we're gonna see, I'm going to see on that one. But I'm definitely looking forward to those matchups, man. I'm looking forward. That's another cornerback receiver matchup I'm looking forward to with uh, Darius Slay matched up on Devontae Adams. Obviously, once again, very familiar with each other. Slay spent a lot of time in Detroit. Um, you know, Adams obviously been in Green Bay his whole career, so they've seen each other a lot. I'm uh, interested to see how Slay bounces back. Obviously, um, you know, DK Metcalf got the better of him. And, some, and, and I'm going to touch on something real quick, too. I ain't like how D. Hall and James Jones was taking those shots at my dog, man. Slay, you know, like I said, he took the L in the game. You know, that, that's what happens, man. You matched up against the best, um, you know, the best players in the world. You're going to lose some. But, um, you know, Slade throughout his career has definitely lost. I mean, won a lot more than he's lost. Um, and they were saying shit like, oh, he was scared of him or he was this or he was that. That was bullshit, man. Um, real bullshit right there. And I respect D. Hall, respect James Jones, but that was, that was some bullshit for real. Um, so I'm looking forward to that matchup. D. Slay versus Devontae Adams. I'm also looking forward to those are the matchups I'm looking forward to game wise. These are the DB wide receiver matchups I'm looking forward to. We talked about D Hop, Jalen Ramsey, Devontae Adams, Slay. Got Keenan Allen 
and possibly Stephon Gilmore. I know Keenan Allen plays a lot in that slot. We'll see if Gilmore follow him around the field. Gilmore, obviously, the defending defensive player of the year. Hasn't had quite uh, the year that he had last year, but still a very, very good cornerback in this league. Top tier. Keenan Allen has been tremendous this year. Justin Herbert, his quarterback, has been phenomenal this year. Like, man, rookie of the year in my offensive rookie of the year for sure, in my opinion. But uh, looking forward to that matchup, man. Two, two, two really, really, really good pros. And then uh, DK Metcalf and possibly uh, Bradbury following him around. Brad Bradbury quietly because he's playing for the Giants this year and they're struggling, even though they are in the driver's seat damn near in that division, if there is a driver's seat in the NFCs. Um, Bradbury, I want to see him following around DK. And DK is, you know, he's faced a lot of number ones this year. He's faced, you know, Slade, Peterson, Gilmore, um, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, a lot of guys have been following DK Metcalf. He is, he's definitely, I, I think right now in the NFL, a top five receiver, top three to five receiver. Um, so I'm interested, very, very interested to see that matchup as well, man. Very, very. <laughs> nah, Van, it wasn't smoke time. All right, let me hit these questions now, man. Let me hit these questions now. Let me... I ain't gonna lie to you. Let's see, I'm gonna scroll all the way up, try to catch some, some ones earlier. Fly through some of them. Rashad 813. Shout out to Tampa. How do you think Josh Gordon would do? Josh Gordon. Um, man, I just, I just uh, you know, I just hope he keep his head on straight, man. I hope um, you know, the situation is right for him out there. But I mean, talent-wise, obviously, ta I mean, talent out of the wazoo. Uh, he's had, you know, a bunch of chances. You don't get that many chances unless you are supremely talented, which he is. So if he gets thrown into that mix with DK, uh, Lockett, Russell, and Carson, oh, man, whoo, I could get ugly. So, um, I mean, I, I definitely hope he does well. Um, obviously, his athletic ability, um, you know, has it. So I'm um, looking forward to it. Uh, Van Albright and all these caps. What percentage of the league smoke weed? Hey, man. Mm -hmm. Ain't got nothing for you, car. Ain't got nothing for you, Guzzy. But I mean, it's, 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 it's probably close to the percentage of adults that smoke weed that, you know, don't get, because we get tested. But if you fail the NFL, even before they changed it, when I was in the league, if you fail an NFL uh, street drug test, um, so it's, it's two different types of tests you take in NFL. You take the, the PED test, which can be random at any time. And then you take the um, the street drug test. And street drug tests, you know when those are coming pretty much. Not like to the date, to the week or anything like that. But you know the time frames that they're coming, right? So when you're coming, when you report back to OTAs, that's the first window of testing. When you report, if you don't get tested in that block, when you come back for the mandatory mini camps, that's another window of testing. If you don't get tested, then you got a five, six week break. You come back and you report at the end of July, typically for training camp. And if you haven't been tested already, that's when you're going to be tested. So, you know, going into it. This is a testing period. Let me put the blunt down until i get my test and once you get your test 
you good for another year. So if you fail a, a street drug test in the NFL, you probably got a problem. So you should be, you get put in a program, but then once you're in the program, you can be tested up to like, you know, 16 times a year or something crazy like that. So stay the hell out of the program, young fellas. Um, and, you know, use, you know, use it responsibly. But uh, what else we got? What else we got? What else we got? Got about 10 more minutes. Zach Taylor. I think uh, Letty Vasque. Uh, Vasque. Uh, what about Zach Taylor? Um, I think Zach, it's still early on. You just got the number one overall pick with Burrow. Obviously, hopefully, hopefully he gets healthy. But um, you got to build up that team. You got to protect Joe Burrow first and foremost. But I think, you know, Zach is a, a good, good play caller, good coach. Uh, we'll see how he manages and coaches, you know, grown-ass men. That's always something new. That's always a a tough job. So we'll see how he does. But um, I don't think he should be fired this year. I saw some people saying Zach Taylor should be fired already. I give a coach a good two maybe three years unless he's just you know just straight bombing it um but yeah zach taylor's solid what else we got boom 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 boom, boom, boom. oh man with some good questions man some good questions boom tom underscore austin 10 what do the browns specifically baker need to do to beat tennessee Man, run the damn ball well, like they've been doing. They run. Uh, Miles Garrett will be back. Still gonna be missing Denzel Ward, but Miles Garrett will be back. Who was, in my opinion, it should have been in the deep, uh, the MVP race, Defensive Player of the Year race. With how he was, how he plays, how he affects the game on defense uh, for everybody, not just the pass rush. So play good defense, run the damn ball. Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, is not the long term answer. Um. I know Andrew Barry well, the GM there, uh, worked with him in the Colts. He's done a phenomenal job as a first-year GM. So has Kevin Stefanski as a first-year coach. Um, but I, in my opinion, I don't think Baker Mayfield, from what I've seen so far in his career, you know, outside of his rookie year, he doesn't look like the long-term answer for the Browns at quarterback position. Obviously not my decision to make, but running down ball. You got two of the best, uh, you know, probably top, 10 running backs individually in the league. Chubb, probably a top three or four guy. Um, and Kareem Hunt is probably in that top eight to 10. So um, you got two of the two of the best running backs in the game running down ball. Um, so that's what they need to do and convert on third downs. Tennessee's terrible on third down um, defensive-wise. So do that. You got a good shot. But, you know, go ahead and please beat those Titans for my coach. Appreciate that um what else we got what else we got john j jonathan one of our loyal listeners darius i read earlier today deshaun watson has an active streak of 210 consecutive passes without an interception impressive huh and does he snap that streak against the coast sunday I say yes. You know, he had a streak. Will Fuller will be out of there. He's suspended for the last six games. Um, his top target, obviously, I believe Will Fuller's last game, he probably went for like 170 plus, two tugs. And he'll be missing his top target. Obviously, a big target. The rest of that Houston roster outside of Deshaun, Fuller, you know, Watt, 
You got, got some other playmakers over there. Cunningham's really, really good. Reed's good. You got some good players over there. But as a team, as a unit, obviously with an interim uh, coach, with Cornell right now, uh, not very good as a team. I think the Colts get this win. And I definitely think the, the Colts find a way to get one. We got at least one. We're going to get one off D-Watt. Very, very impressive streak, though. And D-Watson, I mean, he shows why wins aren't shouldn't be a quarterback stat because he's been playing phenomenal this year. Um, but obviously the record does not show that. Do 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 do. All right. Let me get let me why does nobody give T Dave T D D A V 87. His question is why does nobody give Xavier Howard any love? All pro for sure. I mean, I got kids here. We we doing the distance learning thing. So I mean, why doesn't why doesn't anybody give whatever? Um, I know what the hell you meant. Why doesn't X Howard get as much love? As, uh, I don't know, man. He should. His uh his 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 passer rating when it when it when when attacked on defense is very very good. Um, as a defender, and he got seven picks now. Seems like every game he gets one. He should definitely be getting more love. Um, similar to the love that Gilmore got last week. I mean, last year, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I mean, he's one of the highest paid corners in the league for a reason coming into this year. You went and signed Byron Jones, UConn, shout out UConn to uh, make him one of the highest paid corners in the league. And, um, you know, both both of those guys have been playing very good football. Xavier Howard turning that ball over. I definitely think he should get more love. Um Mustache, Bob. Time for me to get a shape up. But yeah, um, definitely we should be getting more love, man. I, I agree with you there. Definitely, definitely having an all pro year, um, as well. All right, boom, boom, boom. All right, so I'm gonna take one more question. Oh, I probably take two more because this is a good one. Calm, <clears throat> calm, blur, calm, blur, calm, blurnary sports. What does that mean? Come up in sports. Best running back in the league. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the league right now. You got Cook. You got Kamara. You got Derrick Henry. You got some good backs in the league right now. But I will put Dalvin Cook um, at number one right now. Yeah. But he, he not only affects the run game as well as he does, but also in the pass game. He's uh, he affects him. We got two good receivers out there with Jefferson, who's an outstanding rookie, and Thielen, who's been very, very good for a long time. You know, great weapon, especially for a quarterback like Cousins. Cousins is playing good this year, too. Decent, decent, especially in the fourth quarter, though, playing very, very well. Um, all right. I feel like somebody throw, throw one more in there that catch my eye. Do, 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 do. Oh, this is another um shout out one more top five. Tom Tom underscore Austin. I don't know if I oh hell no, I don't even know why I clicked on this. Chiefs, Packers, Steelers, Seahawks, Browns. I mean, I guess I said you are what your record are. So what your record is. I'm sorry. So um, you know, but nah. Nah, cuzzy. Um, you got last one, Dalmonton 1787, Jefferson. Was it still in the draft? I agree. Um, and this is no knock on rugs, but in a draft like this, 
there's no way, in my opinion, Rugg should have been the first receiver off the board. Um, I think he was the first receiver off the board. But you had Judy, at Jefferson. You got um, who else was bust? CD Lamb. Like I was high on T Higgins, but um, you know, those four. From my experience, those super fast guys, man, they never, they rarely turn out to be very, very good NFL receivers. Um, but the Raiders have always been that they draft speed. So we'll see how he turns out. I think he's a very good player, but Jefferson, I mean, he plays the game like a savvy veteran. Um, really love his game. Definitely one of the steals in the draft, but, um, but yeah, Hey, that's it, man. Appreciate y'all rocking with me, man. Rocking with us. Um, like I said, co-host was out, um, this week he's on vacay. We'll be back for overreaction Monday. Also, next week, we'll have Renee Montgomery. My, she just launched a podcast as well. My former, um, you know, classmate at UConn, done some great things in the WNBA. Um, actually set out this year to do a lot of things, you know, more important than sports. And we're going to talk all about that. It's going to be our first female guest, too. So it'll be the man to woman pod next week. But hopefully y'all tune in, man. Like, subscribe. Leave reviews, comments, all that. You know, definitely looking for him, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Love. I'm out.